When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome. Turn off faces. C-H-E-R-N-O-F-F faces. It's the Improbable Research Podcast. I'm Mark Abrams, editor of the magazine Annals of Improbable Research, with a special pocket-sized, slightly larger than pocket-sized this time episode about research that makes people laugh then think. If you like what you hear today, consider supporting us at our website, improbable.com. Here is mathematician Mason Porter. Chernoff Faces. That's what we're going to look at today, a paper by Chernoff describing it. We is me and Mason Porter. Mason, who are you? I am a professor of mathematics at UCLA. I study various topics in applied mathematics. Including faces now. Including faces now. Chernoff faces. Chernoff faces. It's a particular type of data visualization. What do you mean by data visualization? You see some sort of plot of something, maybe of a set of statistics. It's a complicated set of numbers that you want to convey to people in a way that's understandable, that's not misleading and hopefully that also tells a story. In this case, you're doing it by turning these numbers into drawings of faces. Yes, and different features of a face might represent different variables of interest. For example? So, for example, maybe the income level might show up in what the eyes look like. So that's if you're talking about a bunch of numbers you've collected about financial things, for example. Yeah, there's a very famous turn-off face visualization. I think it even might predate the original paper, which showed certain things in Los Angeles, which is my hometown and also where I work. And it was using different facial features for like different income levels in different parts of, I don't remember if it was LA City or LA County. And so it would be overlaid on a map. These faces were overlaid on a map of Los Angeles. And then the faces, different features of the faces had different shapes in different parts of the map. And so you could, by looking at these different faces, get an almost instant rough picture about where there's high income, where there's low, where there's a lot of cash, where there's not a lot of cash. That's right. You want to be able to look at something at a glance. And even if you're not somebody who's quantitatively oriented, to get an accurate picture of heterogeneities across... Um, okay, um, yeah, let's, can... let, me, let me stop you on that long, long word, heterogeneities. Uh, differences. Ah, yeah. Why yeah, didn't sorry. you just say uh, differences? Um, probably because I, you know, do science speak. But heterogeneous is a more I don't. Know, I'm maybe because I'm just used to saying it. Say it three times fast. That, okay. Heterogeneities, heterogeneities, heterogeneities. All right. Now say it three times faster. Heterogeneities, heterogeneities, heterogeneities. Another thing about these faces is if you're looking at a bunch of these faces, each of which is presenting data, presenting numbers to you in an unusual form, if there's some little chunk of numbers in there that are really kind of out of whack with everything, very different, 
you might be able to tell that because one face will jump out at you. It's a very strange looking face. Is that so? Yeah, that's so. And then that would be a way to find, well, in the example that I was giving, some area of Los Angeles that's very different in financial situation than another area. And you can do this really quickly. And typically, you can do it much faster than if I just presented you with a large set of numbers. We, in the magazine, did an article about Chernoff faces, and this was in uh, volume 16, number four, which is the special issue on mathematics. We reproduced a diagram from a study that uses Chernoff numbers. If you could read the headline on that figure six there. Figure six, 16 real and 16 forged Swiss banknotes. And this was from a study in the Journal of the American Statistical Association by Bernard Fleury and Hans Riedwill in 1981 that they compiled these things. If you could describe some of the faces you're looking at there. There are two sort of sub-columns. So there's 16 faces representing real notes that are shown and 16 fake ones that are shown. And some of the things that one sees are that the, um, the hairstyles, as represented by a sort of um, lines of different angles, are different in the two. Another thing that arises is that... Um, All right, and these are not hairstyles of banknotes, which don't no, have hair. This hairstyles is, of what people. we're looking at. Yeah, what we're looking at is a big collection of what look like cartoon faces staring yeah. at us. Yeah, and, and the hairstyles are, there's a different hairstyle for the real notes and the forged notes, but also if one takes the real notes. Just to, I hope, be clear to the people listening, each of the cartoonish faces we're looking at is representing one particular Swiss banknote. Some of those faces represent a particular Swiss banknote that was real, and some of the other faces each represent a Swiss banknote that was forged. Yeah. So if we consider the real ones for a second, there's also going to be differences between the real ones. So one of the visualizations that is shown is actually the number of, of lines in the hair. So how, how far apart each line in the hair is. That's one of the differences. Another difference that's shown is the relative height of the eyes. So there'll be some faces where their eyes, their left and right eye, are almost at the same height. And there'll be other ones where, say, the left eye is much lower than the right eye. And there are eyebrows over those eyes, and there are, too. There are some eye of those eyebrows are, are tilted kind of uh, upward and some tilted downward. Yes. So then each feature of the some, face... Some of, those, some of those particular bills look kind of crazed. Some of them do look crazed. Yeah. So each feature of the face can represent a different variable. And this, so one nice thing about this, and this is an important thing for data visualization in general, is that you want to have a lot of different variables. Some of the eyes where they are you know, quite a bit lower, than, I mean, they look like you know, Picasso paintings. There's one in particular that I'm thinking of. I mean, of course, you can't see the number if you're only listening to a podcast. But some of them, the eyes are so different, it looks like a Picasso painting. Which number is it? Number five is, a, is one of the ones, but also number, number 16 also looks kind of like one of those. Another feature with the eyes, not just the relative height, is the center of the eyeball relative or the location of the eyeball relative to the rest of the eye. So for instance, in this number five, which has the left eye much um, lower than the, than the right eye, and it also has the left eyeball pointing all the way to the left, and it has the right eyeball in the center, right? So there's also something with the horizontal location of the eyeball. But also the nose shapes are very different. 
So this number five, which stuck out at me, it has a nose that's very, that's very thin. And at some point it changes angle very sharply, whereas some of the other noses are much less thin and you know, look a little bit more conventionally nose-like. And each of these things you're describing, each aspect of each of these faces is some measurement of some piece of that Swiss banknote. Yeah. So an example of this, the measurements that are, and these are in the caption of the figure, the measurements are not describing what's being done to the face, but are rather describing the real note itself. So the first variable that's listed is just the length of the banknote. Then the second feature that's listed is a width of the banknote as measured on the left side. The third feature is the width of the banknote as measured on the right side. And given the relative of left versus right, I'm assuming that some of the asymmetry that we're seeing must be those two variables relative to each other. And that's actually very nice because if it's asymmetric in real life, I think it's appropriate that the visualization should also be asymmetric in some way. There's a quote from Herman Chernoff who invented this whole thing where he's describing it. Could you? Each data point, he wrote, is represented by a cartoon of a face whose features such as length of nose and curvature of mouth, correspond to components of the point. Thus, every multivariate observation is visualized as a computer-drawn face. This presentation makes it easy for the human mind to grasp many of the essential regularities and irregularities present in the data. Do you feel your human mind is grasping these irregularities and regularities? I feel that I'm... As you look at these faces? I'm grasping some of them very much, and there are others that I'm grasping a little bit less. But some of the stuff is very striking, right? I mean, that's why I was bringing up Picasso, because the left eye being much lower than the right eye versus the eyes being relatively of the same height is something you notice. The shading of the hair is also very noticeable. I did see the differences in the mouths, but that one, at least, I find I have to look a little bit more closely, whereas I'm I'm first struck by the ones that are very Picasso-like. I want to ask you to take a look again at that big collection of faces we're staring at, where each cartoonish face represents one particular real Swiss banknote that somebody measured in great detail. The 16 on the left side, it says, are all faces that each represent a real banknote. The 16 faces on the right side of this collection we're looking at, it says each of those represents one forged Swiss banknote. When you just take a quick look at the whole collection, do you see any any difference that jumps out at you between the forged banknotes and the real banknotes? Yes, I do see a couple of differences. First of all, can you tell the difference just at a glance without even thinking about it? When you take the entire collection, yes, but there are a couple of real ones that have some resemblance to the forged notes. You could put that the other way, that the forged notes bear some resemblance to at least a couple of real notes. Yes, yes. Well, th- yeah, that would be the more appropriate way of doing it. I, and the reason So these, I, these forgers were not necessarily doing a really terrible job. Right. So, so, so the reason that I phrased it the way that I did is that there are a small number of real notes that look very similar to basically almost all the forged notes. So real note number one is one of the ones that comes to mind. However, most of the real notes look very different from the forged notes. So it may be that the forgers might have had one of the particular real notes, perhaps real note number one, and they made things that resembled it but weren't quite the same. Another thing I noticed is that the forged notes are much more similar to each other overall than the real notes are similar to each other. 
So it's much more, much more, well, heterogeneity, since that's the word of the day, among the real notes than there is among the forged notes, at least visually. Turn over to page nine okay. in that issue of the Annals of Improbable Research. Yep, I'm there. About the Chernoff faces. At the bottom there, we reproduced part of a, another team's use of Chernoff faces, and they list here in detail what the variables were. The headline says assignments to face parameters. What does that mean, first of all, when it says assignments to face parameters? It's saying which features of the face are represented by which variables. Now, this is not about Swiss banknotes. This particular paper was about some other things. If you could just read down that right column a little bit and give us an idea of some of these things that they were turning measurements into aspects of a cartoon face. So one brief preamble I want to mention just so that the listeners will understand this is that each face in this case is representing a city in the U.S. So it's features about cities. Um, so you can imagine just having a different face, one face per city. And it even lists the different cities up top there with a the drawing. If you could read, first of all, the names of the cities. You and I are looking at a cartoon face that represents all the data yeah. about that particular yeah. city. There are 12 cities in this figure. Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Wichita, Philadelphia, San Diego, Washington, New York, St. Louis, Utica, New Orleans, Rochester, and Toledo. Those are the 12 cities that are shown here. Those faces look pretty different from each other. They do, although some of them have some similarity. The one that strikes me the most, actually a couple of them strike me the most. The one from San Francisco strikes me a bit because of the eyebrows. And the one- What about the eyebrows? What about the, the eyebrows? eyebrows are actually overlapping very slightly with the eyes, and they're also turned up. And the eyes are really the big are, and round the, and sort the eyes of are, hollow. The eyes are big and round, and then the lips are very full. The other one that strikes me is New Orleans, because the hair is completely different, and the nose is- How is the hair the, different? The hair is, um, the, the lines in the hair are, uh, there's many more of them, so there's much less space between them. And then the lines are, um, they're meeting at an angle. So there's one that's sloping from lower left to upper right and one that's sloping from lower right to upper left. And then they meet in the middle. And then the hair is also, is also large. And there, it, has a, it has an inverse widow's peak. It looks almost like a wig, the way this hair is, the way the hair is done. Um, okay. The nose is also very large. Um, and it's just, and there, there's a, some of these features do show up in some of the other pictures, but I think this combination makes it very different. And then the, the thin spacing in the hair, this is the only one of these 12 pictures that has this thin spacing. Uh, now, if you could read the list of, it tells us about some of the data about those cities that was turned into aspects of the cartoony faces. Yep. One variable is the mean annual precipitation in inches. And this became the darkness of the hair and the hair shading slant. So actually that does do a good job of explaining New Orleans, given what I would expect of New Orleans. Yeah, looking at the, the face for New Orleans, the hair yeah. looks a lot darker. It looks darker and also the slanting was also was also different. So it looks like it's the precipitation in inches, which is explaining New Orleans hair. Next one is mean January temperature in degrees Fahrenheit. That is the lower hairline. The next one is the mean July temperature in degrees Fahrenheit. That is the upper hairline. The next one is the percent of 1960 population 65 years or over. That is the position of the pupil and the eye slant. Another one, horizontal position of eye. 
Okay, and the next item, next kind of data represented the in these faces The median school is... years completed for those over 25, that's the size of the eye. So, okay, so then the eyes being huge in, in San Francisco is basically saying that in that survey, there were a, a lot of very well-educated people. And it lists, in, it lists here 16 different kinds of data about each of these cities. And each of those different kinds is represented within the faces by some different yes. aspect of the face, the size of the yeah. mouth, yeah. the face line, the nose. So that's a that's an awful lot of information, that, awful that lot is. of data. Uh, that's 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 in what looks like a, when when I look at it anyway, it looks like each of these faces looks on the face of it like a, a pretty simple cartoonish face. Yeah, but but yeah, but, but representing a lot of data in a in, in a concise way. And in a way that allows people to visually see differences with little effort is what this is all about. So I first learned about turnoff faces. Actually, there's Edward Tuft, who's a famous statistician and data visualization person, has written a number of books. And so turnoff faces is something that shows up, I mean, barely mentioned, but shows up in, um, in the discussion of his first book. And it's one of the ones that I point out when I teach students about data visualization just because I like it. I mean, it's not one I see used very often, but I feel like it's very effective in terms of representing a large number of variables in a concise way. It's so different from almost anything anybody ever did that it... Uh, do you think that's part of the reason that it still hasn't gotten into um, use It may be. I don't actually know the history of it, but one thing that I know can happen, because I know that, that this Los Angeles visualization I was mentioning uh, has some issues with that. You, you can imagine... Um, you know, there's certain things that are sensitive topics, and you can imagine that this could be something that that rubs people the wrong way, or and, you know, you know, if some if, if some of these faces have features that are associated with certain demographics, um, I think there's sort of you know other aspects of being a human that one might be bothered by this type of visualization, and I do know people who are bothered by it. And also things like if you're looking at one of these cartoony faces and it's smiling you instantly assume, oh, that's telling right. me some happy news, when in fact, it's just numbers, and those numbers might right. represent anything that, that may not be very happy at all. As, as a concrete example with the Los Angeles one, the, the, I don't know the, the, the artist or author who did that, but um, that one includes a shading for skin color. And then if you have an association between, between people of a certain ethnic background and the poorer or richer areas of a city, and then that's now also showing up in your visualization, you know, there, there's a lot of scope that people may not be very happy with that. I'd like to finish up by asking you to do another quick little dramatic reading from something Chernoff wrote. This was written in 1973 when Chernoff came out with this stuff. And that was a time when there were not a lot of computers around. There were no real personal computers. In fact, most people never had touched a computer at this point. Computers were in not cheap things, and running a computer was not a, a cheap thing to do. So this this maybe explains a little bit too about why it took a while for anybody to even try using these churn-off faces to represent numbers. At this time, the cost of drawing these faces is about 20 to 25 cents per face on the IBM 360-67 at Stanford University using the CalComp plotter. Most of this cost is in the computing, and I believe that it should be possible to reduce it considerably. Any comment by you now, 
here in 2020 on the difference between 1973 when that was written and well i mean my first thought was to even you know you know imagine the cost of the figure that we went through in much, in much detail about the about the real and forged swiss banknotes you know so those are those, there are 32 faces in that picture and you know that's 8 bucks i mean you know that it's hard for me to think of that picture as eight bucks. I mean, that's more, that's like more than the whole issue of the magazine. And that was eight bucks back in, back in 1973. So that's probably what, about $25 or so in, uh, yeah. in 2020. So it's, so it's sort of amazing. I mean, and then the, the picture was actually from 1981, but it's amazing. I mean, I don't, I don't think of a single figure, huh. um, even a very complicated one from, you know, a paper costing me $25 to do. Right. I mean, that's not, it could cost twenty five dollars yeah. in terms of human hours spent on it, but not not in terms of you know literally paying for it with respect to the computation time. So now that everybody has easy access to computers, and it doesn't cost much at all to print anything out, now maybe maybe this is the time when somebody could really start trying yeah. to use churn off faces to represent some numbers that are hard to understand yeah. and maybe make them yeah. easier because. At least for most people, looking at faces is something that's easy to do. There are, of course, some people who who never recognize faces. There's a, a, a right. medical name for that. Um, Prosopagnosia. So I think it would be great to, to uh, as I said, I really like this type of visualization. One of the ones that I would want to do this on, because I've, I've occasionally um, done some studies that has that has data from from politicians, whether it's, for example, how they voted or something like that. I would love to use this with, well, somehow stylized versions of, of the faces of the actual politicians, but then adjust the features um, in, in a way that reflects something. And, I, you know, just because I like being snarky and, you know, faces are a way that you can very easily be snarky, but you also show a lot of, you show a lot of information. And I think that just the ability to have a lot of different variables in two dimensions and in a way that people can connect with is very powerful. But yeah, it's still rare. I, I don't think I've seen one in the wild in the sense of it's a paper that I was looking at for some other reason and they happen to use turnoff faces. Yeah. I cannot think of a single example. You, you, You've been listening, if you've been listening, to a special pocket-sized episode of the Improbable Research Podcast. What we explored today was featured in the magazine in Volume 16, Number 4, the special mathematics issue of the magazine, Annals of Improbable Research. I inveigle, implore, in lots of other words, uh, I ask you, um, invite you to subscribe to the magazine and uh, and also buy some back issues if you like. There are a lot of them and there's a lot of stuff in them. Also get some details about the 2020 Ig Nobel Prize ceremony and how we are coping with the copious constraints of the COVID-19 pandemic. Also learn about how you can help us via our Patreon. All of this is at our website at improbable.com. It's possible, I would say maybe likely, that Seth Glicksman is the improbable production assistant. Next time on this podcast, we will look at something or other. Until then... Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>